0: Verse 11, <clears throat> last night began the feast of Shavuot, if I say that right, is that correct, say it one more time, Shavuot, close enough. Sorry, my Messianic brother. (laughs) And that is the Feast of Weeks. It's celebrated uh, seven weeks after the second Passover Seder. Although it began as an ancient grain harvest festival, the holiday has been identified since biblical times with the giving of the Torah on Mount Sinai. According to the Jewish calendar, last night was exactly seven weeks since the Passover. Christians worldwide will be celebrating the Feast of Pentecost this coming Sunday, May 19th. And they're commemorating the descendant of the Holy Spirit and the birth of the church in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. And I think as we always come together, whether it's a Wednesday night or a Sunday Or any time we come together in the name of the Lord, God is always wanting to pour out his Holy Spirit on us. So that's our prayer tonight. That once again, God would open up our eyes, our heart, our ears uh, to be where he wants us to be as we get into his word. So let's look at Romans 8, uh, starting with verse 11. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. Remember, last week we looked at being under the law of sin and death or being under the law of the Spirit. We're under one of those laws. Okay, we're either under the law of the Spirit or the law of the power of sin and death. Okay, now, with that said, Back in Romans chapter 6, we had looked at that anybody who has died spiritually speaking is free from sin. In other words, you've died to the law. Now, if you've died with Christ, if you were crucified with Christ, our belief is that we're going to also live with him. Okay? We we he was our substitute. There was a transfer He took our sins, he gave us his spirit in place of our flesh. Now, we know that sin no longer has dominion over us, but because we are earthly beings, every day our flesh is trying to resurface. It's always trying to come back to pull us back to the bondage we were delivered from when we receive Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. In Romans eight eleven it says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Galatians 6, 8 points out that if you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap to the flesh. If you... Live in the flesh, you're going to do the things of the flesh. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the flesh, you're going to live. We constantly have to be crucifying our flesh, don't we? It's like a continual thing, it's not a thing we do once in a while. It's always going on. How do you do this, though? How do you practically live by the Spirit? And how do you crucify the flesh? In Ephesians 4, it says that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. I remember many years ago when I was struggling, not that I'm not struggling now with the flesh and the spirit, but what I'm finding is less of a struggle now than it was, say, years ago. But I remember at the point where that verse of putting off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And as we continue, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And I remember waking up in the morning and consciously praying, saying, Lord, I want to take off the old. I want to put on the new man. That you allow us to do. And I remember Romans 12, 1 and 2, making that my verse. That, you know, I didn't want to be conformed, you know, to the old way. I I want God to renew my mind. And it was a process of just really committing those types of scriptures to memory. Because I wanted to start off my day with God. And by God, I had a good day. Not that it was without struggles and trials and tribulations and temptations. I mean, it's not carte blanche that everything's okay. You never have any suffering, never sickness. Everything goes win. You win all your games. There's no arguments at home. Everything is cool. It doesn't work that way. That's not real. That's not reality. We're still living in this world. But as we are allowing God's Holy Spirit to lead us, we are in the world, but we're not a part of it. We should see our are holding on to things as less and less. In 1 Corinthians, it mentions that to be steadfast, to be immovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. And I want to ask you a question that I ask myself. Am I immovable? Am I being steadfast? in my walk with the Lord? Or am I very easily persuaded by things, things that happen, my emotions, my um, circumstances? Maybe it's physical. Maybe it's emotional, mental. Maybe it's social. What is it that's trying to throw us off from walking with the Lord, staying in the Spirit? What is it? Some of us might share the same things that throw us off. Others of us might have something totally different. But guess what? It's still trying to accomplish the same thing of us not being in tune with God's Holy Spirit. And I can tell you, the younger you are, the more swayed you are by those things that are trying to knock you off course. And that's not so much a chronological age as it is a spiritual age. If you're young in the Lord, there's going to be a lot of things that are going to try to get you off course from following Jesus Christ. Trying to throw that curveball in your life to throw you off base. So you need to understand that this is part of the world system. It's part of your flesh. It's part of the devil's schemes to to use those things in creation to get you off of course. And you and I cannot be stupid. We can't be stupid. We have to know that there is an enemy that's trying to get our eyes off of Jesus Christ. It's important. All of us are going through something that's trying to take our eyes off Jesus. If that's not the case, then you're not walking on this earth anymore. You're not here. There's nothing happening. There's no pulse. As long as you're on this earth, there's going to be things that are going to try to take you away from following Jesus Christ. One of the things is to check yourself just like a, um, you're checking an oil in a car. You have the dipstick. You're trying to see how much is there. So here, let's look at some things. Number one, are you plugged in to ministry? Are you plugged in? Is there something you're involved in? Jesus calls us to be servants. Last week, if you hear one of the things, I said, no more pity parties. Don't have any more pity parties. Pity parties is a great, great indication that you are in the flesh. You're not following the Spirit. God shows us through the example of His Son, servant's heart. A servant's heart is just that. It's a heart that serves. It's looking to touch other people's lives. It's not looking for a pat on the back. It's not looking for... A uh, self-gratification Because we've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer us that lives. It's Christ who lives in us. So the question is, how much of Christ is living through you? Do you see him? Or are you in the way? Am I in the way of myself from allowing Christ to do a work? In Galatians, it talks about, and I've already said this, if you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap the things of the flesh. If you sow to the spirit, you're going to reap the things of the spirit. Where are you? Are you a spiritual roller coaster? Flesh, spirit, flesh, spirit, flesh, spirit. Or are you steady and climbing? Spirit, 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 spirit. You see you're you're getting further and further away from the flesh. Where are you? It's important. It's crucial in your growth. It's crucial in the peace you have in your heart. Second thing, have you come to a place in your life where you can say, Jesus and I don't do those things anymore. We don't do those things. I'm tight with Jesus. We don't do that. We don't go there. We don't listen to that. We don't watch that. Jesus and I do cool things now. Things that are edifying to him. They bring glory to him. They give me a confidence that I'm walking with the Lord. I'm not one person here and another person at work and another person at school. What you see is what you get. Is it perfection? No, it's not perfection. Nowhere near that. But boy, when we look back and we see where we came from to where we are, Jesus is moving us up closer and closer and more and more like him. We should see evidence of that in our lives. It says in Ephesians, put away, and here's some of the things. Let's check out the dipstick, spiritual dipstick. Let's check it out. How are we doing with lying? How are you doing? How am I doing? Do we always speak the truth? Or do we throw in those white lies now and then to make ourselves look better or to avoid a situation? It says, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we're members of one another. How are we edify in Christ if our lips are lying? Another thing it says is, be angry and do not sin. Wow, that's pretty cool. I can definitely relate to being angry and sinning. But how about being angry and not sinning? See, it's not anger that's a sin, it's where the heart is behind the anger. There's a righteous anger. I see somebody attacking a Uh, A person, and I go to help and I'm angry and I'm going to help, that's one sort of anger. That's a righteous anger. But how when I just lose my cool and my patience and I say things or act a certain way that I shouldn't act? So one of the dipsticks, spiritual dipsticks is, am I an angry person? Where's that anger stem from? Well, it's from the flesh. I got to relinquish it. I have to give it to Jesus Christ and allow him through his Holy Spirit to minister to me. Do you give a place to the devil? Are you in the devil's playground? Are you going, doing, seeing, watching, listening, talking to the things that the devil is saying? Yeah, that is awesome, baby. Keep it up. You are my kid today by what you're saying. Are you in those kind of playgrounds? Or are you ticking the devil off in his demonic army by living for Christ? And they can't handle where you are. How are you doing with stealing? You taking anything? Yes. Borrowing something and you forget to bring it back? How are you doing with that kind of stuff? But it says, rather than steal, labor. Work with your hands and what it's good. That you may have something to give him who has, who's in need. There's that servant's heart again. How can I help somebody in need? Where are those needy people? Needy people could be poverty, Could be spiritual need, could be a physical need, emotional need. Are we reaching out? Are we in tune with God's spirit to who he's bringing us to, to help? Let no corrupt word, how about that one? How's your words? Are your words edifying? Or are they tearing down yourself or someone else? That's a great litmus test to where you are in the flesh, Or in the spirit. You see, Jesus died for you, and if you've received Him as your Lord and Savior, He's given you the power through His Spirit not to have to go into those fleshly things anymore. Now remember, you might have had 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years of habitually living in the flesh with the sins of the flesh. But our God is a conqueror, He's the one who's delivered you from that sin, and now you can walk away. Will you be tempted by it? Absolutely. But how do you know when you pass a test unless you take one? How do you know your knowledge unless you take a test? That temptation is a test to show you where your heart's at. How about filthy talk or foolish talking or coarse jesting, which aren't fitting to a child of God? Do you talk that way? Do you take part in that kind of a talk? I just talked to a young boy today, eighth grader, who was just sharing with me this past Friday night that he was invited over a friend's house. He went in there at five of nine, found out that they were drinking alcohol, the parents weren't home, eighth graders now, so we're talking about what, 13, 14 years old. And a couple girls were there, a couple guys were there, and by five after nine, he was out of there, he left. And he told one of the girls he he would walk her home if she wanted to leave. Not a believer, but what a great decision. What a great leadership by just standing up as a little eighth grader. Pretty cool. Good stuff. But it says, rather give thanks. For you know that no fornicator, unclean person, covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. But now, remember what we talked about of putting off and putting on? Here's another verse in Colossians. But you yourselves are to put off all of these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language, out of your mouth. Remember that out of the mouth comes the intent of the heart. How's your heart? God is still working on all of us, but are we dabbling in those things? Are we saying things? Are we thinking things that are showing us that we're not in the Spirit? We need to get into the Spirit. We're being fed from God's Word, but how are we, are we just taking it in and leaving it there? That's the Dead Sea. Nothing lives in the Dead Sea. It has has an outlet. What's your outlet? Ministry is your outlet how you serve other peoples on this earth. Not just in this church, but everywhere, in your homes, on your jobs, in your neighborhoods. What are you doing? Good, good checkpoint. It says also, lay aside all malice. Now, malice is the intention or desire to do evil. All deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil and hurtful speaking you speak about somebody to tear them down. Can't get along with somebody. So instead of praying for them, you, you condemn them or, you know, gossip about them. It's a test. We've all been through it. Might not be your one thing that you're always battling, but we've all been there, right? We're still there. It might happen tomorrow on the job. That test of where we are in the spirit or in the flesh. Colossians speaks of, because you are the elect of God, you're holy, you're separate, you're separated, put aside for use by God. His Holy Spirit does that. And it says for us to instead of have all those negative things, all those sins, that we're to put on tender mercies. Now remember, mercy is not getting what you deserve. If you are a believer in here tonight, The mercy of God, we deserve to go to hell, but we're not going. That's God's mercy. Okay, that's an example of God's mercy. So God tells us that we should put on tender mercies. Okay, there's that person who's a pain in the neck. There's that person you don't want to be around. There's that person who just agitates you on the job. It says here to put on tender mercies. So what that's saying is, Treat them the way that God would treat them, not the, what, what they deserve to be treated like. Remember, you and I deserve to go to hell, but we're not going there because of God's tender mercy. So we're to extend that mercy to those people that rub us the wrong way. We're not in heaven yet, so there's always people that are going to rub us the wrong way. You might be viewing one right now. So you pray for that person, that God changes your heart. And then you know it's God because you know how you felt. But when you relinquish that and say, Lord, I'm having a really tough time with this person or this situation. I need you to change my heart. Pour out your Holy Spirit. Help me in this situation. And He will. He is a living God. He will do that. But He does want you to go to Him. As a child, so that he can show you his power. It says here if anyone has a complaint in Colossians, it talks about if anybody has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Doesn't say it's a choice, doesn't give us an ABC. You must do it. If you're a child of God, if you are in the spirit, you will do it. That's pretty cool. No gray area. It's pretty clear cut. That's what's so great about our Jesus. He makes it very clear. But above all these things put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And as a result of everything we've covered in the last 10 minutes, the peace of God will rule in your hearts. And as a result of that, it says, be thankful. Because as you do those things that God calls you and I to do, you're going to have a peace. I think of Joseph as we talk about the things that are in Romans. Joseph did not want to miss the mark. He didn't want to sin against his God. Do we feel that way? Do we have that sensitivity that we don't want to offend our Jesus? Remember, it's an act of the Holy Spirit. It's not a matter of it just happening. It's God's Holy Spirit working with the act of your will and my will. We have to want it. He's not going to force himself on us. We have to say, Lord, I want to be like that. I don't like the way I'm acting. Change me from the inside out. Less of the flesh and more of Jesus, less of the flesh and more of him. Okay, back to Romans. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So as you're being led by the Spirit of God, you know you're a son or daughter of the king because you are being led by the Spirit. You're doing those things that we just spent 10 minutes on pointing out some of those things. You show compassion. You have love for others, even the ones who are testing you. It's a sign of your daughtership and sonship. Now notice, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. You don't want to go back to where you came from. That's death. Spiritual death can be physical death if you go back to where God has delivered you from. Part of the sign, part of that spiritual dipstick, is just like the Israelites when they were led out of the bondage of the Egyptian slavery. When they were in the desert, remember what they wanted to do? They wanted to go back into bondage. They forgot what it was like when they were in Egypt and the hard taskmasters that their sons and daughters were taken from them, beaten, never to be seen again, sometimes. Why would we want to go back to where God delivered us from? Don't be stupid. Don't be stupid. Think of where God has brought you from and where he's bringing you to. Why go backwards? God says to keep your hands on the plow, and keep going that way. Keep going. Follow the lead of His Holy Spirit. I don't want to be going like this when I'm plowing a field. Because when I'm done, it's going to look like this all through the field. i got to keep my eyes focused on my goal. My goal is Jesus Christ. Peter on the water gave us a great example. When his eyes were on Jesus, it didn't matter what was going on around him. As soon as he took his eyes off Jesus, he started sinking through the circumstances of life. That's you and me. We've got to keep focused on Christ. Don't lose heart, the Bible says. No matter what you're going through, don't lose heart because God has promised you as his child that even though the outward man and woman is perishing as we're getting older, it's perishing. The inward man and woman is being renewed every day. He's doing a work in you from the inside out. So as we're perishing outward, outwardly, remember, we're going to get new bodies one day. This is a temporary vehicle we're in. We're going to get new bodies. That'll be indestructible. It's going to be a tremendous, tremendous moment when we have those new glorified bodies. So don't get too attached with this one. Okay? Don't get too attached. Hold on lightly. You receive God's Holy Spirit. Back to Romans. You receive God's Holy Spirit of adoption by how we cry out, Abba, father now you can only call god your father if you have his spirit in you another spiritual dipstick moment you can't call god your father unless his holy spirit is living in you however what we see as a body is that everybody's at a different level right in their degree of maturity in the lord we're all growing We're all works under construction. God isn't finished with us yet. Jesus, when he was in the garden, said the same thing that we're reading in Romans about Abba, Father. And you know what Jesus said in Mark 14? He goes, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will but what you will. You know what's a great sign that you're growing and maturing in God's family? is just what Jesus said, that no matter what's going on in your life or my life, that we can say, you know, let's say it's an unpleasant thing, Lord, take this away from me. But nevertheless, Lord, not what I will, but your will be done. That's so important, it's crucial, you know, it's so, God's going to bring circumstances, people, aches and pains in our lives for one reason only. And that's to put us in the place of submission to Him, allowing Him to be God and doing a work in our spirit. Little child, right, as a parent, you, you take something away from the child that they want real bad and they don't understand it. They want that and they, they cry. But you know that what you took away from him or her was to save them from something. Injury, um, an accident. And you know you did it for their own good. And when they're older, they understand that, hopefully. <laughs> they understand it. But that's like God with you and me. Things that go on in our life. We have to trust Him and not those circumstances. In 1 Corinthians, it says, We have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Notice again, throughout Scripture, it talks about the spirit of the world and God's spirit. I think we always have to be in that moment understanding that that can just fluctuate so easy between us being in the spirit of the world and the spirit of Jesus Christ. But as you are walking tighter with Christ, it's easier. It gets easier as you're hand-in-hand hand with the Savior through this walk that we have on this earth, through this temporary passing through. God's Holy Spirit Going back to Romans, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if then children, heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Now we talked about the spirit of adoption. Many of you know, 12 years ago, 11, 12 years ago, we adopted Ashley. She came from a very dysfunctional family. Mom and dad have already passed. She has two older sisters, but um, God rescued her from a very, very bad situation as a seven-year-old, and then we adopted her when she was about nine years old. So when we adopted her, she became one of us with all the rights and privileges, the pros and cons of being in the Whitehead family. You and I have been adopted sons and daughters of Jesus Christ, but notice here in Romans what it says that you're heirs, you're heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. That means everything that God the Father is bestowing and letting Jesus have, you and I will experience and have one day. Now we have His Holy Spirit, who's a guarantee of more things to come. And you are a witness to that, and so is the Holy Spirit. There's two witnesses here. There's you, and there's the Holy Spirit. Because you know what God is doing in your life, and as you mature in Jesus, you recognize more and more, right, of what Jesus is doing. Where if you're a young believer, you don't really see it all the time. You don't understand it. You think it's a coincidence. Or, why is this happening to me? You know? And that was a deep statement I tried to throw out at you last uh, week with, no more pity parties. You know, don't have a pity party. We're going we're gonna to close on something in a few minutes. But let's go back to this. In Isaiah fifty six five. it says... That even to them I will give in my house and within my walls a place and a name. Better than that of sons and daughters, I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And that was in Isaiah 56, 5. And one of the uh, people that was directed to were the eunuchs who were servants in the house, in in, um, the temple there. And, and God is saying that even to them, I'm going to give my house. I'm going to give them a name that's forever lasting. You are a son and daughter of the king if you're a born again believer. You are a Christ follower. That name is written in the book. Your name is written in the book of life. It cannot be blotted out. We are just now trusting in everything that we see in the scriptures There's things that God has given us, that peace, that salvation, a body of believers, brothers and sisters in the Lord who are taking that journey with us on this earth. But one day, we're going to know everything. Everything. We're going to understand everything that's going on. In Ephesians, it talks about that you trusted in Him after you heard the word of truth. The gospel of your salvation in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. The Holy Spirit, God Himself sealed you, guaranteed to you everything that is in the Scriptures. The Holy Spirit is our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession where we come into the knowledge of everything that we've been revealed, comes to fruition when we're in the kingdom and God will be praised for all eternity. And now we get to praise him whenever we come together. We get to praise him in the middle of the night when we wake up. We get to praise him in the morning. But one day, when we really understand fully what Jesus has done, it will be an eternity of praising the king. The last uh, verse in Romans tonight, if we indeed suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. In verse 17, if we indeed suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. One of the things glorified, uh, a good way to think about it, it's things will be made clearer. We will see Him as He really is. We'll understand. We'll have our glorified bodies. All those things we dealt with on this earth will be gone. Never another tear. Never another heartache. Never another emotional breakdown. Never worrying about things. Never anxiety. Never worrying about the fight between the spirit and the flesh. And what I like to do is uh, show this Minute clip. Some of you probably know who Johnny Erickson Tata is. Um, In March, she was at Calvary, Philly. Marie and I watched this about a week ago. And a couple things. You're only going to see a few minutes, but you can Google Johnny Erickson Tata at Calvary, Philly, and it's about a 15 minute message. She was a speaker on a Sunday or a Wednesday night. But I just want to show you a few minutes and then we'll wrap up tonight's teaching. Um, after we watch Johnny.
1: 17 years old, athletic, took a dive and bang, I can't use my hands, I can't move, my legs, everything's paralyzed, I'm a quadriplegic. The doctor announced that I had severed my spinal cord at the fourth cervical level, that I'd never used my hands or my legs for the rest of my life, and he walked out of the door. I can't move like this, and I just sank into depression. A Christian friend shared with me, Johnny, God permits what he hates, to accomplish that which he loves. I realize God takes no pleasure in my spinal cord injury, but he loves the way he is changing me in it and encouraging others through it. Psalm 10 says that God hears the cry of the afflicted. His heart goes out to those with disabilities. He is filled with compassion for those with special needs. I'm Johnny Erickson Todd. I'm a Christian, author, speaker, advocate, painter. Oh my goodness, I can't believe I do all those things. But I do it because I want people to know the God that I love. I would not trade this intimacy with God, this sweetness, this nearness, this tenderness, this preciousness of, of faith come alive in my life. I wouldn't trade it for any amount of walking. There are one billion people with disabilities in the world, 80% of whom live in developing nations. That is, to me, overwhelming. I want to do everything I can to make the using people with disabilities to wake up the church, God is up to something big. It is illegal, it is for See, Outwardly, our bodies are wasting away, not inwardly, we're being new day by day. It looks as though the footfalls need to come up just a little bit. Certainly. Yeah. My husband, Ken, and I love doing Johnny and Friends together. Whether it's going to a family retreat and hanging out with other couples, whether it's delivering wheelchairs and riders, is the Bible in the Spanish language? We want
2: to get the
1: word out. God is not a man in those with disabilities, God. He is working through them. God's power always oh, shows up best us, the Bible says speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Defend the rights of the weak and the needy. And we do that at Johnny and Friends. Through our Christian Institute of Disability, we are advocates. We are championing the disabled. Whether it's right to life, end-of-life issues, position assistance, suicide, euthanasia, we speak God's truth. Johnny and Friends stands for the spark that started the movement to take the gospel where the world is bleeding out of control. I to be. I've got a message to share. I would rather be in this wheelchair going in than on my feet without him, and that is worth living for.
2: Johnny, I think, from my viewpoint, and when we were talking, the spirit of the Lord is in this house. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, the folks that we've met so far, unbelievable.
1: Welcoming, making us feel like family, which we are.
2: We even learned how to order Philly cheesesteaks. <laughs> it's supposed to, it's supposed to be with, you I know? want Philly like wet. New cultural experience for us.
1: Oh, and Ken, I have so enjoyed being in this area because I feel like I'm at home with this mid-Atlantic accent. I kept bugging Mike, the police officer, who greeted us at the door. Same road. Same phone.
2: <laughs> Can I ask, how many of you have heard Johnny on the radio here in this area?
1: Wow. Uh,
2: well, you know, if you've heard Johnny on the radio, you probably have heard that Johnny's been going through a cancer journey these last couple of years. We're two and a half years into our cancer journey and uh, the oncologists say that uh, you're not declared cancer free until after five years. So we're, we're close. The further out we get from the, the diagnosis, the better it is. But we thank you guys for your prayers because it has really been a sustaining force uh, during this time. Early on, you know, I mean, I, I think, John, you and I probably would say the same thing that it brought us closer together as a couple. And uh, it, cancer was good. It wasn't at the well, time.
1: Well, God was good. But the
2: God was good. Was good. <laughs> yeah. We don't promote cancer, <laughs> we promote God. And uh, it was just through the experience of having cancer.
0: Marie and I were watching this before we went to bed one night and the things that we might be going through negatively all of a sudden just disappeared because it's a matter of perspective. Title of tonight's message was The Family of God in those verses 11 to 16 or 11 to 17. We're part of a family that God has put together on this earth to minister to one another, to minister to the unsaved. But what is it that the world, the flesh, and the devil has put into your footpath to try to get your eyes off of Jesus Christ? Now that lady, because I know some of you... um, uh, people that have been around. She is 63 years old. She's been in that wheelchair for 45 years. She had that accident after, um, right after school got out. When she was in high school, she went swimming in a lake. She was having a good time, like teenagers do. She dove into a lake that you saw. That was footage that she's diving into a lake. And she broke her net because it was too shallow. So she's been in that wheelchair for 45 years. Now I want to just uh, if you don't watch the rest of this, and I really encourage you to do that. It would be it's good for your spiritual growth, because her husband goes down and then she starts teaching and giving some of her experiences. But a couple things I want to leave you with tonight. One of the things that really hit me. Uh, with Johnny was she said that every single day of her life it's so difficult for her to get out of bed. Number one, she can't on her own. She physically, it's impossible for her as a quadriplegic to get out of bed. So she has her husband. I don't know if she has any uh, aid at home, how that works. But everything has to be done for her for 45 years. She's intense pain, chronic pain, every single day of her life. Excruciating pain. Now, what I saw that came through this video was the joy of the Lord, the peace of Christ, the energy for the Lord. She did not appear to be a 63-year-old woman riddled with a crippling condition. Probably, we put all of our travels in the world together. She's been more places and traveled more than all of us combined. She's visited more countries and given out wheelchairs and encouraging all types of handicapped people. She could have just stayed home until she died. Matter of fact, she wanted to commit suicide when she was 17 because she knew what her arms used to do and her legs used to do and what she was able to do. But here's something that is, blows me away. Some, this is, Johnny said this, Sometimes God allows what he hates to accomplish what he loves. Sometimes God allows what he hates to accomplish what he loves. And you hear Johnny say it, right? She'd rather be in the wheelchair and know Jesus Christ and have that relationship with him than be out of that wheelchair and not know him. Wow. 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 That's pretty heavy. Heartache forces us to embrace God out of desperate, urgent need. God is never closer than when your heart is aching. So in the last verse of Romans, talking about suffering, what is the suffering we're going through? It could be physical, yes. It could be emotional. could be spiritual. Okay, you might be over the suffering, and you might have had 20 years of something going on in your life. But understand, take heart. That what God allows sometimes, even though He hates what's going on in your life, He knows what it's going to accomplish. In you who He loves. Because He's a caring, loving Father. That's so important for us to understand. We don't know what tonight will bring. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. The only constant is Jesus Christ. He's faithful and true. He will see us through, even if it's bringing us into glory. But we need to keep going forward in our walk with Him. And as a family of God, we need to take an active role in being servants to each other. Help somebody. Take care of somebody. God will bring them into your path. You don't have to go looking too far. But it starts with a desire in your heart. Let's pray. Father, we thank you.